Being a top prospect in mixed martial arts sounds like such a great time. Everybody's hyped about your potential, you're winning fights, you're on a fast track to competing for a world title. But things aren't always as great as they appear. The rocky road to the top is riddled with broken dreams. Many of the sport's biggest and most hyped up-and-comers hit a few potholes along the way. I'm not talking about L's in the cage, though. I'm talking about injuries, suspensions, some kind of outside force keeping a hot new talent from the spotlight, and in some cases doing some serious damage. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and this is 10 Times Big Prospects Suffered Huge Setbacks. Number 10. Matt Riddle After teaching himself MMA using BJ Penn's instructional book along with his college wrestling pedigree, Matt Riddle was selected for the Ultimate Fighter with just a single amateur bout and no real formal training. After losing in the quarterfinal, Matt was signed and debuted on the finale in a win against Dante Rivera. Injuries and other issues would plague his entire UFC run, though. On five separate occasions before his sixth fight, Matt would be forced out of a bout with an injury, including one nine-month absence from the cage and an instance of becoming too ill to compete right before walkouts against Luis Ramos at UFC 141. In the summer of 2012, Riddle would defeat Chris Clements via an arm triangle, earning the submission of the night, but the result would be overturned due to a positive marijuana test, and he would be suspended three months. You see, Matt was in love with the sticky icky, and it would become a real problem. He'd bounce back with a win over John McGuire at UFC 154, though, and a split decision win over Che Mills. If you ignored the weed fail, he was 9-3 in the octagon, having started his pro career in the UFC. Most impressive. But that win against Mills would be overturned due to the devil's lettuce as well, and so Matt was cut from the UFC for having failed two drug tests in a year. He was then absolutely buried by Dana White on UFC Tonight. You're so weak-minded and so addicted to marijuana that you couldn't stay off it enough to pass a drug test three times a year. Well, guess what, dummy? They drug test in the real world, too. And I want to know where this rocket scientist is going to go and make a hundred-something thousand dollars a year. Well, following a weird stint in Bellator that included zero bouts and one more win at Titan Fighting Championship, Riddle would find someone to pay him $100,000 a year when he began working in professional wrestling and in 2018 signed with the WWE's developmental promotion NXT. He made the move to the main roster in 2020, and he's the current United States Champion. Number 9. Felipe Nover on the eighth episode of the eighth season of The Ultimate Fighter, Dana White compared Felipe Nover to George St. Pierre, and in that very moment, the man was completely cursed, doomed to never live up to the expectation of being scrutinized as the next GSP. There was a second thing that White called Nover, though, and that was fainting Felipe. He did that because during the coach's announcement, Nover passed out. He'd been competing as a welterweight, but the show needed lightweights, so he put his body through hell to be included on the season. See, the nickname's fun. It's all about how completely wrecked Felipe's body is by depriving it of water and nutrients. Despite the fainting and the GSP label, Nover would make it to the show's final, where he would come up short to Efrain Escudero via decision. That next May, Felipe went from main eventing a tough finale to losing in just a minute to Kyle Bradley via TKO at UFC 98 on the prelims. Things weren't exactly going great, but then they got worse. Set to face Sam Stout at Ultimate Fight Night 19 as a late replacement, Nover did that hilarious thing from Tough the day of the fight, where he passes out because he's half-dead trying to compete at 155 pounds. That wacky fainting Felipe. The issue would leave Nover sidelined for nine months. Not exactly the start he was hoping to have to his UFC career. He would finally get a third fight against Rob Emerson at UFC 109, about that many thought he won, just not the judges. With three straight losses, future GSP was cut from the promotion. He would return unbelievably five years later, but won one of four bouts before being cut again. Number 8. Conor McGregor 
Only two fights into his UFC run, you could tell there was just something different about the reaction to Conor McGregor as he entered the TD Garden Arena in Boston to take on Max Holloway at UFC Fight Night 26. The young Irishman's hype was starting to reach a boil, and the first half of his fight with Blessed was every bit as dominant on the feet as people were hoping and expecting. But the remainder of the bout saw Conor's game change to nearly all grappling, and while he would sweep the scorecards, fans were wondering why the sudden move to the canvas. While the first takedown was one of opportunity off of a caught kick, and in the ensuing ground exchange, Conor tore his ACL, sprained his MCL, and partially tore his meniscus in his left knee. As a result, the 14-2 prospect would be sidelined for 11 full months. But whatever simmer he'd lost, he gained it back and then some by destroying Diego Brandao in his return and blowing the roof off the place in Dublin. That left knee would come back to haunt him when he tore 80% of his ACL 14 weeks out from his interim title fight at UFC 189 with Chad Mendez. But I think everything turned out okay. Number 7. Brian Ortega T-City has been wowing fans since he got into the UFC, with finishes in every win he's had, but for his most recent against Korean Zombie in October of last year. It's hard to keep somebody that spectacular away from the title picture, but a few hiccups pushed Brian Ortega's career schedule back by nearly two years. Ortega came into the UFC as the RFA featherweight champion and would debut against Mike Delatore, kicking off UFC on Fox 12's prelims. He would make quick work of his foe, a rear naked choke finish just a minute 39 into the first round. Awesome kid, welcome to the big show. Not so fast, though. There's something wicked in your post-fight piss. Right out of the gate, Ortega would be hit with a nine-month suspension and fined $2,500 for having anabolic steroids in his system. Not exactly a great first impression with your new employer, but he served his time and T-City surged back into the spotlight with a three-fight run of finishes, taking down Tiago Tavares, Diego Brandao, and Clay Guida, breaking into the division's official top 10 rankings. Then another setback, a torn labrum. That's in the shoulder. The injury would take over a year to heal, and finally, in July of 2017, he was able to resume his ascent to the top, subbing Hanato Moicano in the fight of the night at UFC 214. Number 6. Hamzat Chemaev in a year where fights were sparse elsewhere and opportunities in the UFC for new talent plenty, Hamzat Chemaev took his 6-0 record with him to fight Island, and over the course of just a few months, became the hottest new thing on the MMA scene. Scoring a performance of the night earning Darce Choke in his debut against John Phillips, Hamzat turned around 10 days later and defeated Reese McKee in 3 minutes for another bonus. His 17-second KO of Gerald Merchardt in September had the entire sport buzzing, and as a result of the win, he'd earned himself a fight with number 3 welterweight Leon Edwards originally scheduled for late 2020. Talk about making an impact. Unfortunately, in another reality of the year he dominated, Chemayev would contract COVID-19, as would his opponent. The bout was then moved to January to give the fighter some time to recover. However, Hamzat was forced out of the fight a second time as he was still dealing with the after-effects of the respiratory disease. When the match was then moved a second time to March 13th, everything was on schedule until in early February, Chemayev was yet again forced to withdraw from the bout because he had still not yet recovered enough to train properly. The fight with Edwards is now officially off, and Leon instead fought Bilal Muhammad on that date. On the second, the Chechen Wolf posted a picture of blood in his sink, and then seemingly retired on Instagram. Dana White has refuted that claim. This one is still very much in flux. Number 5. Yair Rodriguez 
In 2017, Yair Rodriguez was the hottest thing out of Mexico since Guillermo del Toro. Debuting at UFC 180 and winning the tough Latin America featherweight tournament, Rodriguez would string together six straight victories in the promotion with four performance bonuses, including an absolute demolition of former champion BJ Penn. That May at UFC 211, Yair was given a bit more than he could chew in the form of Frankie Edgar, but that was a big jump up in competition. Rodriguez would be back in the hunt in no time. Then everything went radio silent. Nearly a year to the day since the loss to Edgar, news got out that El Pantera had been released from the promotion for turning down multiple fights. When asked about it, Dana White simply said, If you don't want to fight, this isn't the place to be. I'm sure there was a bit more to how it all went down, but strangely, three weeks later, things had been worked out, and Yair was back on the roster. A year away was bad enough, but then Rodriguez was forced to pull out of his bout with Zabit Magomed Sharipov at UFC 228 due to an injury. He wouldn't get a chance to fight again until October, over a year and a half after his last bout, but he returned with an absolute classic against Korean Zombie with an all-time great knockout. Number 4. Sean O'Malley an immediate standout on Dana White's Contender Series due to a first-round KO over Alfred Kashakian, Sugar Sean O'Malley's hype train continued right on a choo-chooing after winning his debut and his second bout for the promotion against Andre Sukumtat at UFC 222, earning Fight of the Night for an exciting back-and-forth where O'Malley somehow survived despite severely injuring his foot. His post-fight interview laying on the canvas where he told Joe Rogan he loved him was pure gold. Sugar was memorable and interesting in all the right ways. He had all the pieces to be a big-time star, and two fights in it looked like he would be soon. Then, prior to a scheduled bout at UFC 229, O'Malley broke the news of the dreaded potential USADA anti-doping policy violation. The culprit was the oh-so-common and problematic Osterine. A six-month suspension would pull the curtains on the Sugar Show, even though USADA determined it was the result of a tainted supplement. By UFC 239, O'Malley was ready to go again in a scheduled bout with Marlon Vera. Then he failed another test when the Osterine resurfaced. Hello, pulsing picograms, I'm looking at you, John Jones. Unlike the champ, though, Sean wasn't important enough to get off the hook and got another nine months. After two whole years away from the cage, it was full steam ahead for O'Malley, fighting three times in 2020 and earning two more performance bonuses. Number 3. Habib Nurmagomedov when Habib Nurmagomedov committed to fighting completely unknown Daryl Horcher at a catchweight as the co-main event of UFC on Fox 19 after Tony Ferguson was forced out of their bout, fans collectively groaned. Why would Habib take this fight? Just wait until Tony is clear and then give it another go. But what people don't realize is that Nurmagomedov was at the end of his road as it came to MMA. He desperately needed a fight any fight. Following six straight victories after making his debut in the promotion in 2012, the Eagle was soaring towards the title picture, but recurring knee injuries followed by a broken rib would force Habib out of three scheduled bouts, and as a result, he would sit for 728 days, that's too shy of two years. In that time, the last opponent he beat, Rafael Dos Anjos, would become champion. Everybody was progressing while he could do nothing. During the worst event, Nurmagomedov made an emotional post on Instagram to say that he may never return to fighting. Luckily, he did finally catch break and was able to heal up. So now that you know just how dire things were, that matchup with Daryl Horcher makes a lot more sense in context. That poor soul. I cannot imagine what it was like dealing with Habib after a layoff like that. Number 2. Korean Zombie just three fights into his UFC run, Korean Zombie was starting to put things together. Following back-to-back -back losses in the WEC, one of which would end up being arguably the greatest fight the promotion ever put on against Leonard Garcia, Chan Sung Young avenged that defeat in his UFC debut with a twister, the first in the promotion's history. Then he KO'd former title contender Mark Homnick in seven seconds before darsing Dustin Poirier in his next fight and putting the diamond to sleep. All three wins would earn him performance bonuses and find the 26-year-old in a title fight with one of the pound-for-pound 
all-around best fighters in the world at the time, Jose Aldo. In Rio, no less. The bout would have one of the weirdest finishes ever. Young dislocated his shoulder throwing an overhand, probably because he's a zombie, and then Aldo began kicking the shit out of it, eventually forcing a stop to the fight. No shame in losing to Jose Aldo in your fourth UFC bout, though. Zombie was scheduled for another fight that next October, but when it fell through, he decided it was time to take care of his conscription. In South Korea, all males from 18 to 28 must perform mandatory military service. He was nearing the cutoff age and so didn't have too much choice. It would end up being three and a half years until we saw KZ in the cage again following the Aldo loss, but he made up for lost time by KOing Dennis Bermudez in under three minutes. Zombie is shambling around the featherweight top five to this day. Number one, Glover Teixeira. After losing the first bout of his professional career at WEC3, Glover Teixeira teamed up with the guys that kicked his ass, John Hackleman's crew at the pit, to learn a thing or two. For the next six years, he would be one of the gym's prized pupils and the main sparring partner for Chuck Liddell during his run as the baddest motherfucker in the UFC's light heavyweight division. At 7-2 with the experience of sparring with the Iceman all the time, the UFC was a certainty. But Glover would hit a snag in 2008. He didn't have a work visa, and so he would be forced to return to Brazil until he could sort the whole thing out. Hackleman has said in interviews he assumed the process would take a few months. Nobody thought that Teixeira would be gone from the US MMA scene for four years. A man ready for the big time denied his opportunity for a presidential term. While he waited, Teixeira decided to stay active, winning 10 more fights in a row with nine finishes, seven of them in the first round. Now on a 15-fight win streak, Glover was becoming the hardcore fan's pick for the best talent outside the big leagues. In 2012, he would finally get his visa issues resolved and make his UFC debut after a long and unexpected exile. Teixeira would live up to the hype, winning five in a row on his way to a UFC title challenge against John Jones. Huge shout out to Max Randall for editing this video together. Follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.